The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when his blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in his precious blood, my sin to... All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles 25. We'll look at a few verses. We're going to kind of go over the whole chapter here, but we'll just start out with the first few verses. I'll give you a little um, illustration here at the beginning. Ed Hinton, he was a Sports Illustrated writer, and he did an article about Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt and how, how he would often take cat naps and basically lay down right before the race. Um, a big, If you don't know who Dale Earnhardt is, He's a racer, a NASCAR racer, okay? Um, but so he would often lay down, take a nap before the race. And it was crazy because all the other racers, man, they'd be, they'd be so nervous and excited. And their heart rates would be from anywhere from 100 to 120. And Dale Earnhardt's would be less than 60 at some times. And it was great. I don't know if it just lost the effect on him. I'm not sure. But unfortunately, in 1997, at the Southern 500 race in Darlington, South Carolina, he took a catnap to a dangerous new level. At the start of the race, he fell asleep. He, he was kind of in a semi-conscious state, and he started off the race, and at the first turn, he smashed into the wall. The second turn came around, and he hit the wall at the second, the second turn. And all throughout this, he's trying to, he was trying to look for um, his pit to pull off, but he couldn't find it. He ended up making two laps before he got off on the side of the road there, on the side of the track. And after that happened, he went on to say that he remembered nothing of it. They had 16 doctors that examined him to find out what happened, and they came up with these uh, three possible explanations. They said a small blood vessel may have been spasm and restricted blood to the brain. Number two was, or he may have had a temporary short circuit of the brain, because of a previous accident. And the third option was uh, vasodepressor syndrome in which the pulse rate falls rather than rises under stress. Now the doctors, they thought they didn't think the problem would reoccur, so they let him continue racing. And, you know, frightening but true, it is possible to fall asleep going over 100 miles an hour racing down a track and be asleep. But the same thing is true. It's easy to be racing through life, trying to do things for God all the time with our hands on the wheel of life, our foot down to the floor, going around, our eyes seemingly open, but yet we're spiritually asleep, and it happens all the time. But tonight we're going to look for a few moments at the life of a king and his heart, and we're going to look at the tendency of a lukewarm heart, okay? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for... Uh, this time that we can look into your word, help us to get something from it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll read the first two verses to start out with. Amaziah was 25, was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jehoiadin of Jerusalem. 
and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart, but not with a perfect heart. He's going to start out there with a lukewarm heart, okay? Just to give you a little background on it, um, Amaziah ruled in Judah about 200 years after King David had ruled. Um, the Israel and Judah, Israel had split into Israel and Judah now at this point, and um, Israel was away from God at this moment. Now, Judah had been through a rough time. When Amaziah came on the scene, if you read in the last few verses of the chapter before, his father had been murdered in his sleep. His servants came in when he was sleeping and murdered him. And now here you go, 25-year-old Amaziah takes the throne. And it's not really a good situation for him. And what happens next is he goes and he finds the people, the servants that killed his father, and he executes them, which he was right to do. But um, in verse 4, it says, But he slew not their children, but did, as it was written in the law of Mo as in the law in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not die for the children, neither shall the children die for their fathers, but every man shall die for his own sin. So he kept the law of Moses there, and he only executed the father. If it was me, hey, it would have been hard not just wiping out the whole family. But he did. He did what was right in God's eyes, but he didn't do it with a perfect heart. We see here in the next few verses after that that he's planning on making attack on the Edomites. Now, they um, had been causing some trouble um, over in Judah, and so he went and he was getting an army ready to go and conquer these people. So he got 300,000 men from Judah to go and fight, and he also hired 100,000 men from Israel, um, mercenaries that they would come and fight for him as well, and he paid them um, 100 talents of silver each, okay? Let's read uh, verses 7 and 9 here, and it says, But there came a man of God to him, saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee, for the Lord is not with Israel, to wit, with all the children of Ephraim. But if thou, wilt go, if thou wilt go, do it. Be strong for battle. God shall make thee fall before the enemy. For God hath power to help and to cast down. Verse 9 says, And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. He the man of God came to him and said, you've got these, this wicked country coming to help you. They're away. Israel was away from God, like I said earlier, and now you're having them come and going to help fight for you. They said, it doesn't matter if you're strong in battle. God's not going to be with you, and you're going to fall before your enemies. And he says, well, what about the hundred talents of silver I gave them? He said, but God is able to give you much more. But that's how our logic is sometimes. We think that, hey, we think that, you know, it's, it's almost worldly logic is what it is. We don't, we don't work on faith. We work on our sight, and, and we think that more is more people means more. But with God, we have everything that we need. And we see here that he did follow the man of God's leading, and he did um, do what he was supposed to. He separated Israel from the army. He, he lost the money that he had given them, and he went on and won the battle. Um, against the Edomites. They killed 10,000 of them, and they took 10,000 captive brought them captive. Then they brought them back, and he marched them off a cliff. Um, verse 14 says here, and it says, um, Now it came to pass, 
after Amaziah was come from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the children of Sire and set them up to be his gods and bowed them down before uh, himself before them and burned incense unto them. What happened was he beat, with God's help, they beat the Edomites. Now he went and he brought the idols back. That doesn't make any sense. Back in that time, uh, some countries thought that if, you're, if I was to go and conquer some place, that their gods must have forsaken them and joined themselves with me so to allow them to be beaten because they were away from them. But in Amaziah, I guess he bought into this, brought the idols back to Judah and now set them up and is worshiping them and burning incense to them after God was the one that gave him the victory the whole time. So now we see he has moved from a lukewarm heart to a cool heart. And it, and it goes down even quicker than that. Um, uh, if you would read verse 15 and 16 with me here, and it says, Wherefore the anger, anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah, and he set unto him a prophet, which said unto him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people, which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand? And it came to pass, as he talked with him, that the king said unto him, Art thou made of the king's counsel? Forbear, why shouldest thou be smitten? Then the prophet forbear and said, I know that God hath determined to destroy thee because thou hast done this and thou hast not hearkened unto my counsel. Another man of God comes to him and says, why, why have you done this? How in the world could you bring these idols back and, and worship them? And the king, he got a little upset and said, you're not of the king's counsel. Well, who are you to come and approach me and tell me what I should and I shouldn't do? Why shouldn't I just kill you right here? And smartly enough, the, the man of God just said, okay, I'll stop. But he says that he knows God has separated himself from Amaziah, and it's going to be to his doom. And the man of God left him. Now we see that he's moved from a lukewarm heart to a cool heart, now to a stone-cold heart. He's rejecting everything from God. He's, direct, he's rejecting correction. What happens next is he goes on, and after... Let's go back just a little bit. After he had sent away those 100,000 troops from Israel, they were mad because they didn't get to fight. I would have been happy. I would have said, wow, I don't get to fight and I get paid. But they were, for some reason, they were mad. I guess they didn't get the spoils of the war or whatnot. But they were, they were mad. And so they went back and they were on a little rampage. They went and de destroyed some towns in Judah there. And Amaziah came back from battle and was a little upset. And he went and... And he sent forth uh, to go meet King Joash, who was the king of Israel at the time. And, and they wanted to meet face to face to basically settle this thing and say, hey, give us back the spoils from those towns of Judah that your 100,000 men came and destroyed. And at this time, Israel, uh, King Joash here, he said, no, that's not going to happen. He went on to say, hey, you're going to give me your daughter to marry. And now they're just right at it, talking stuff back and forth to each other. Basically, who's the bigger man? Who's the bigger man? And what it comes down to in verse uh, 20 and 22 here, it says, But Amaziah would not hear, for it came of God that he might deliver them into the hand of their enemies because they sought after the gods of Edom. So Joash, king of Israel, went up, and when they saw one another in the face, both he and Amaziah, king of Judah, and Beth Shemesh, which belongeth to Judah, and Judah, 
um, was put to the worst before Israel, and they fled every man to his own tent. So they come up, and Joash tried to warn Amaziah that he's going to get beat. He's going to lose in this battle to settle this score um, about the few cities of Judah there. And they end up meeting, and as we see here in verse 22, it says, put to the worst. That means he got his butt kicked, okay? That's what that means. He got, he got beat pretty bad. That's just a good way of saying it. And, and, it, just, and it got worse. Ju, uh, Judah was raided. The house of God was taken, destroyed. Everything was spoiled. And the story really ends with Amaziah, King Amaziah, running for his life, trying to escape, but they just hunt him down and kill him. And if we were to go back all the way from the beginning and see, man, if he would have just stayed and just had a perfect heart from the beginning, he wouldn't have ended like that. It wouldn't have happened that, that way. If he would have done what he was supposed to before God and had a, had a right relationship with him, he would have never lost that battle. He would have never brought those gods back. He would have never gotten so far off track so I've got seven other things really quick. I'm going to go through them really quickly here. Um, this is not original with me, but I thought it would be a great help to you. Um, and it's called Seven Steps to a Perfect Heart. And it goes back through the story, and we'll look at a few things real quickly, okay? Number one is do right when you feel that you have been wronged. King Amaziah came on the scene, and it couldn't have been a worse situation. His father had just been murdered, and he felt like, man, how could this why does it have to be me being the one taking over this terrible situation? My dad just got killed. Now I'm stepping up. I'm only 25 years old. That wasn't a really, um, that was a, a very young age to be taking the throne of a king, of a kingdom at that time. And he probably thought, man, why has God allowed me, allowed my father to be killed like that? And so it says, do right even when you've been wrong. Circumstances are not always great. They're not always going to be good but do right, still do right. Number two is do right even when you feel unappreciated. Now we talked about how King Amaziah went and he killed all the, uh, the servants that had done wrong and that had murdered his father while he was sleeping, but he did what was right and he didn't kill the children. Now, I seriously doubt that the children were very appreciative that uh, King Amaziah had put their, had put their, uh, their fathers to death, but, um, but you should still do right even when we feel unappreciated. Number three is do right when it does not make much sense. We always think bigger is better. When he was to go fight that army, 300,000 compared to 400,000, I'd take the 400,000 any day, except God wasn't with Israel. Do right when it does not make much sense. Um, do, number four is do right when it requires sacrifice. He lost all the money that he had put into the hired soldiers. He lost all of that. Some people struggle with the fact that, man, oh, I just need that little bit of extra income, so I'll work on Sundays, and I won't come and worship God. I won't give God his day, and they struggle with that. To the average person, it doesn't make sense. To my tax accountant, it doesn't make much sense that you give to missions and that you uh, tithe. To the average person, it doesn't make sense. You're going to give 10% of your income to the church, that doesn't make any sense. I, you could go out and you could make a car payment every month or get a jet ski or something. I don't know. That sounds pretty good, but spreading the gospel around the world sounds even better. 
So do right when it requires sacrifice. Number five is do right when it is not politically correct. Do right when it is not politically correct. Even in the time of the story, it couldn't have been too good for King Amaziah to march 10,000 people off a cliff. And it talks about how their bodies were broken. He probably received some flack about that, about how, how in the world could you, a just man, march unarmed people off a cliff. But at, they were enemies of God at that time. They were in the land that was for Israel and for Judah at that time. And he was just doing what God would have wanted him to do was to destroy um, the enemy that shouldn't have been there. Number six is do right and give God the praise when he has given you the victory. Amaziah chose to give the pagan gods the credit for his victory. And in our lives, we say, okay, I'd never give idols. I'd never give idols the glory for a victory. But all the time in each of our lives, whenever we might have a victory over a temptation or over something we've been struggling with, a habit, it's easy to say, oh, I did that in my willpower. I did that myself. I did that by not putting myself in this situation. When really we should say, no, God, it was because of you and your mercy that you allowed me to be delivered from these certain things. Do right and give God the praise when he has given you the victory. Number seven and the last one is do right even when it seems there is no battle to fight. Do right even when it seems there is no battle to fight. Amaziah thought since the battle was over, he didn't need God anymore. And we do that all the time. We think, okay, I've conquered, I've conquered uh, this, this besetting sin in my life. You know what? I don't, I don't really need to, to focus on God as much as I used to because I'm good. I'm good. I, I've conquered it. But that was to King Amaziah's demise. He thought the battle was over. He didn't need God anymore. But he did. He did. And he ended up being destroyed, uh, tracked down, and killed because of it. And so may, with the Holy Spirit's help, we will learn to serve God with a perfect heart. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the few moments we had to look into your word this morning. Uh, we thank you uh, for this story and help us, even this moment, that if we are struggling with a lukewarm heart, or we've kind of uh, just taken our, our foot off the gas spiritually, that we would uh, do what we're supposed to and get our hearts right with you today. In Jesus' name, amen.